turn to uh, Nehemiah chapter 13 and Malachi chapter 3. Now let me tell you while you're turning, Nehemiah 13 is where we'll start, and then we'll get over to Malachi 3. So put a marker at Malachi 3. Let me tell you how we got to Nehemiah 13. We've gone through the first few chapters. We've talked about the gates and the walls. Pastor Marcus preached one on repairing the walls. We've talked through all of that. Uh, last week we were in chapters 2, 4, and 6. We've been in chapters 8 and 9. And let me tell you a little bit about chapters 10, 11, and 12. How come we got from chapter 9 to chapter 13? 10, 11, and 12 are genealogies. It's their lists of people who helped building the wall. And all of them have horrible names. All of them do. So we're not going to talk about it, all right? Uh, but you can meet them in heaven and, and probably be able to pronunciate it when you get there. So, chapter 13 is the last chapter in Nehemiah. And there are three things that Nehemiah re-implements in the people of God in these chapters. We'll spend these three weeks, this week and two after this, talking about the three things that he re-implemented in the people of God and what we need in the church, alright? So we'll talk about the first one. The first one is, blessing is part of his plan. For your life, God's master plan for your life, blessing is part of his plan. That's good news, by the way, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Nehemiah 13, verse 1. On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. And in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite could ever come into the assembly of God because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Now watch this great, great statement from the Bible. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. Isn't that good? I love that statement. And I like that it begins with, however, you know, just real sweetly. However, our God, and not the God, even though He is the God, but our God turned the curse into a blessing. Let me just tell you right now, God loves to turn curses into blessings in our lives. He loves to. He wants to bless you. Part of God's plan for your life is to bless you in what He puts your hand to. Now, look at verse 4. There are some things that have to be put back in order. This is the first one. Before this, Eliashib the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. You remember Tobiah? He was one of the bad guys with Sanballat that we talked about last weekend. And he had prepared for him a large room where previously they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new wine, and the oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers, and the offerings for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then after certain days, which we know is a year, one year he was back with the king. After certain days, I obtained leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Now remember, Nehemiah was a member of a motorcycle game before he got saved. Watch what he does next. Therefore, I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. 
I could just see him out in the street, you know, where he threw his lamps and all this stuff out there. All right. Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms, and I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given to them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. Now, he says, we're going to get some things back in place here. He goes away for a year and he comes back. And the first thing that he notices is that the people are not bringing the tithe to the house of God, that the Levites, the priests, the singers, the people who are supposed to be ministering to them, they can't even minister because they've got to go back and work their own field because there's no tithe and there's no place to even put the tithe because this guy Tobiah had made a a deal with the priests and he was using where they would store the grain, which would be the tithe, he was using that as a, a storage room for all of his junk. So Nehemiah throws it all out gathers the rulers together and says, Guys, you have done something extremely wrong here. You have taken what should be used for God's house, and you're using it for yourselves, and we're going to get this in order. So that's the first thing he gets in order. Now, this is talking about tithing and giving to the church. Here's what I, I, I thought about, and I, you know I, I've preached a lot on this subject. I've written a book on it. Uh, I, I do uh, you know, stuff all the time on this in the Body of Christ, pastors' conferences and things like that. But I, something hit me in looking at this that I've never thought about. This is nowhere in the blessed life anywhere. I just, I started thinking about some things. And here are some questions that came to my mind that maybe you've had these questions before that we're going to answer today about giving to, to the church, all right? Here's the number one question I thought of. Number one, why did God tell His people to tithe? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, God invented tithing. People didn't invent it. God did. And He even requires it in the Old Testament under the law. So why did God do this? Was it because it was the best way for the church to, to be able to exist financially? Was there, is there something deeper than that? Why did God require and invent and come up with this idea that you should give the first 10% of your income to the church? Where'd that come from? Why, why'd God do that? Well, I believe that, and there are lots of reasons we could list. I think all of them boil down to it, this reason that the Lord gave me this week. I think God implemented tithing because He's a good Father. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Good fathers love to reward their children for doing the right thing. Good fathers love to build character in their children. Good fathers love to see generosity in their children instead of selfishness in their children. Have you ever seen selfishness in your children? Have they ever been selfish? Have they ever said, mine, to another friend? (laughs) Sure they have. But when we start seeing that selfishness torn down in them, That pleases us, right, as parents. So we want to reward them. Listen to me. God is a good Father. And so He comes up with a system that if we will tear down selfishness and put Him first in our lives, He will reward us. He will bless us for that. Here's what Hebrews 11 says about faith. Any person that wants to live in faith has to, number one, believe that God is, and number two, has to believe that He is a rewarder 
of those who diligently seek Him. God loves to reward. He's a good Father. Now, we'll get to Malachi 3 in a minute. But let me show you a scripture in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 9 says, Or what man... Now, you've got to read, notice the word or. Because we're going to come back to why would the verse begin with or. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Now, let's just bring this up to modern day language. Here's what Jesus said. If you, being jerks, hey, that's nicer than evil, the word He used. He called, He says, you're evil. You are evil. And if you, being evil like to give your children good things, how much more would he, who's not evil, like to give his children good things? So he's comparing it. He's telling us God's a good father. But he begins this, it begins with or. Now, let me explain something to you. When Jesus was preaching this, um, and this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, there were no verses. Okay? So he's in a sermon. He's talking, and then he says, or... In other words, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to back up and see the verses before. Most of the time, though, I don't think that we tie the verses together. As a matter of fact, you're real familiar with these verses before it, but maybe you've never tied it with the Father giving good gifts to His children. Let me show you the verses before it. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone... Who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Then he says, or, or, what kind of a father, if you're, if you do this for your children, what about God? Wouldn't he want to do this for his children? Okay, so, let me give you the, the analogy here. He said, if you ask, you'll receive. But you have to do something to be able to receive. According to Jesus. Jesus didn't say to everyone who sits on his can and does nothing, he will receive. And everyone who uh, never goes toward the door and never does anything, just stands out in the yard, the door will open. No. He said, if you'll ask, you'll receive. If you'll seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, you'll be open. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm going to take this a step further. If you tithe, you'll be blessed. In other words, you have to do something to be blessed. To be saved, you have to ask. You have to receive. You have to, what he's saying is, if you'll do something, the Father loves to reward. He is a good Father. And He wants to reward you. Do you know what fathers like to do? Just naturally, in the natural. You know what fathers like to do? They like to solve problems. I solve problems all day. I have a family, though, that doesn't want me to solve their problems. Any of you men relating this? I've got 190 employees. I solve problems all day. They come to me. I say, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. And then I go home, and my wife starts talking, and I want to say, no, yes. She says, wait, wait a minute. I'm not telling you this to solve it. Well, then why are you talking right now? That's what I do. I solve things. She says, I don't want you to solve it. I just want to talk about it. Can anyone relate to this? 
Okay. Here's the great thing, though, about God. Okay. God created us in His image. Now, get this. Male and female. The image of God is not male. The image of God is male and female. Here's the good news. He can solve your problems, and if you just want to talk, He'll listen all day. <laughs> you can just talk to God. But He does like to solve problems. Now, listen to this. Financial problems are the easiest problems to solve. They're the easiest. Listen, I, I've been in this business now 25 years. I mean, I've helped people through marriage problems, children problems, uh, relationship problems, uh, losing a family member problems. I'm telling you, as an expert in this field, the easiest problems to solve are financial. And let me tell you two things you can do to solve about 90% of your financial problems. Live below your means and tithe. It's that easy. Live below your means and tithe. Listen, God wants to reward you. It's in the Bible. We're going to read a verse in a minute where God says, just try it before you criticize it. Just try giving me the tithe and see what happens. I uh, led a guy to the Lord a few years ago, and um, I met him. Uh, I actually saw an ad in the newspaper, went and bought a car from him, started talking to him, felt like, man, I need to go after this guy. Invited him to lunch, started spending time, invited him to church. After about two months, he accepted the Lord. About a month after he got saved, uh, the pastor, I wasn't the pastor of the church at that time. It was, well, it wasn't this church, it was another church, and uh, the pastor preached on tithing. So he comes to me afterwards, and you got to remember, he just got saved, so he's not mad about it yet. <laughs> All he did was hear, if I give 10% of my income, God will bless me. And he's a new Christian. He believes the Bible, you know. So he just comes and says, hey, is this, is this right? Is this, is it, did I understand this right? I said, yes. And I went through and explained a little bit. He gets his checkbook out. He's excited. He writes a check immediately. $62. He said, I said, how much you make last week? He said, 620 I said, okay, 62 62 He writes a check. He puts it in an offering. That's on Sunday. On Monday, he gets a phone. He calls me on the phone. Monday. And he says, well, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what happened? He said, I got home. I drive up in the driveway, get the mail out. I'm walking to the door. I notice this, this envelope. I open it up. It's a check from the city of Irving for overpayment of my water bill for $620. Now listen to me. That's a miracle. Cities don't do that. That's God. And it was exactly ten times the amount. Do you understand that God is up in heaven saying, this is so cool. All day God has said, I can't wait for him to get home and open his mail. (laughs) And think about all God had to do to get that check. If it was through a city, he had to start that process a year in advance. (laughs) To bless that guy. Are you all following me? Okay, if you've never asked, why did God implement this whole system of tithing? Here's the answer. Because He wants to bless you. Because He's a good Father and He wants to reward His children for doing the right thing. But there's, you have to do something to be rewarded. Alright, here's the second question maybe you've asked sometime about tithing. Why is there a curse? Why is there a curse? However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. Why would He even allow a curse in the world? Okay, well, now look at Malachi chapter 3. 
Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now, before we go on, I just want to ask something. How many of you believe that? Okay. Do you believe that God changed between Malachi and Matthew? Because some people do. Some people believe that He was mean in the Old Testament, and He's nice in the New Testament. It's not true. God never changes. And let me tell you the theological reason why He can't change. Because He's perfect. That's why. If you could change, you could get better. And God can't get better, so He can't change. You understand? He can never get better. Because He's perfect just the way He is. So He can't change. Nothing about Him can change. Alright, now, watch the next statement. I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Now here's what He's saying. You better be glad that I'm nice. Because if I could have changed from being merciful, I'd have killed you jerks a long time ago. But I, did, I didn't because I'm merciful. Yet, verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. By the way, the word ordinances means ordinary practices. Tithing is ordinary for God. It's not extraordinary. It's ordinary. You've gone away from my ordinary principles and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Once you notice, this is God talking here. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now watch verse 8 carefully. Here's God's answer. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Some of you may be wondering that this morning. In what way have I ever robbed or stolen from God? Here's his answer. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. By the way, he didn't say, I'm going to curse you. He's simply saying, you're, you're under a curse. I need to inform you of that. When you walk out from, from my house, from my ordinary principles, you walk out into the world where you're not protected, and the enemy is going to curse you, and he's going to get a hold of you. And I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to come home, to come back to my principles, to return to me. And this is one of them. So, why is there a curse? Well, I'm going to give you a really straightforward reason why there's a curse for people who don't tithe. Because tithing is stealing. That's the reason. Can I ask you something? Is stealing wrong? Okay, some of you think that it's wrong. Some of you don't. Some of you don't know. Is stealing wrong? Okay, let me ask you another question. Is stealing from God wrong? <laughs> That's badder. It's wrong to steal. It's really wrong to steal from God. And why in the world would tithe, not tithing be stealing from God? Do you know why? Let me show you why. Leviticus 27.30 And all the tithe of the land, all of it, all of it, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. The word holy, by the way, means set apart to the Lord. In other words, it belongs to God. Now, here's what some people say. Well, it all belongs to God. Mm-hmm. But He lets you keep 90% of it in His grace. See, it's not law that God wants 10%. It's grace that He lets you keep 90 and the 10%, he says, is mine. It is set apart. And what is it set apart for? It's set apart for the house of God. So when you take it, 
You're stealing it. You can't steal something that's yours. What you need to understand is the first 10% isn't yours. And if you keep it, you're robbing God and you are voluntarily placing yourself under a curse. See, don't, don't say, well, you're saying God's going to curse me. No, I'm saying you're cursing yourself. Look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That's an amazing statement to me, when God calls witnesses. Heaven, all of heaven and all of earth, as a witness to what I'm about to say. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That's what God wants. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Here's what God is saying. I'm I'm setting before you whether you want to live or whether you want to die. Whether you want to be blessed or whether you want to be cursed. And and, And you choose. And now what God is saying to them in Malachi is, you chose the wrong way. When you went away from my ordinary principles, which was to honor me with the first 10% of your increase, you've chosen a cursed road. And let me tell you how great God is. When you choose the wrong road, God, in His kindness, will put potholes, boulders, nails, road signs. He'll do everything He can so that after you drive it and you've tore out your front suspension and you're, you've, got, you've had seven flats now with four tires, you know, whatever, somehow you might say, maybe I'm on the wrong road. And the reason God does that is because there's a way that seems right to man, but the end is death. At the end of the road is the Grand Canyon, and God knows that. So He's doing everything He can to get you to back up and get back on the right road. That's what a curse is. A curse is motivation from God to repent. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. Why is there a curse? So that we won't go the wrong way. That's why. And by the way, if you want a definition, an easy definition of a curse, a curse is a consequence of a sin. There was no curse before there was sin in the world. Sin brought the curse. When sin came into the world, the curse came with it. That's when the curse came. So, any time we go the wrong way, there's a curse. And that curse is to bring us back to God. Psalm 119, verse 67. Look at this verse. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You know what he's saying? Here's what he's saying. Before I got the snot beat out of me, <laughs> I would always go astray. But after a while, I figured it out. And I, now I keep your word. Okay, if you have all this debt and, and you've got financial pressure and stress and, and, and all these difficulties and things keep breaking down, why not try it God's way? So... Why is there a curse? Well, we talk about that. Here's the third thing. Why is there a blessing? Now, stay in Malachi 3. Look at verse 10. Bring all the tithes, all, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me or test me now in this, says the Lord. Says the Lord. Remember who's talking here. And this is the one, This, by the way, this is the same Lord that can't change. Same one. If and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's enough right there to get you to test it. And, here's bonus, bonus points. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. 
for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So we know for sure it's God talking. By the way, I've had so many people say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. You hadn't read the New Testament then. Because I can show it to you in several places in the New Testament. Uh, And I can actually show you where Jesus said in red, in your Bible, you ought to tithe. That ought to be enough for you. Right there. This ought to be enough for you. Look at the benefits of tithing. Look at the blessings of tithing. It's amazing to me that all the tithers give me the same testimony. Every tither. Here's what they say. I'm blessed. I am so blessed. And all the non-tithers give me the same testimony too. I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford it. I know you can't. Because you're under a curse. I understand that. Please. Do what the, what, what the Bible says here. Just try it. Remember the old saying, try it. You'll like it. Just try it. Why is there a blessing? Well, we've already talked about one of the reasons is because God loves us and He loves to reward us. But let me just show you a, a, a couple of other reasons for this. The other reason is there's a blessing for you to be a witness. We just read this. He says, and all nations will call you blessed. Do you know why God even says that? Because He's concerned about all nations. That's why we, we gave you this, because God's concerned about all nations, and we're concerned about all nations. So we're doing something to reach other nations. But let me tell you one of the ways that God wants us to be a witness. He wants us to live according to His principles, and He'll bless us. And as He blesses us, our neighbor says to us, Why do you not get worried about the economy? Why do you not have stress? Why are you so at peace? And here's what your answer is, Because God is my provider. And I know that. But if you live, there should be, here's what God's saying, there should be a difference between the way you operate your finances and the way the world operates their finances. And they should be able to clearly see the difference. But if we operate our finances the same way, if we've got our credit cards maxed out and our mortgage is too big for us, there's no difference. And so our neighbor sees us just as stressed out as he is. So he says, well, why would I want to be a Christian? Why why would I want to get dressed up on the weekend and go to church? That guy has the exact same problems I have. See, this goes to such a greater degree than what we've ever thought about. The reason, one of the reasons I tithe is so that I can be a witness to other people. And they say, man, you you are so blessed, you give your money away. That's incredible. And I can be a witness about it. So that's one reason. Here's another reason. So you can be a blessing. Genesis 12, verse 7 says, verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. God chooses to bless me if I do the right thing, and then He allows me to be able to act like He acts. In other words, to help other people, to bless people. Let me just ask you something. Is it fun to give? It's wonderful to give, isn't it? My father's a giver. I've told you this sometimes before. My father has bought nine houses for people that can't afford houses and does not have an expensive home himself. He loves to give. He loves to give. He has a, you know, every now and then when I go home, he, he uh, goes over the finances with me. You know, he's not that old. He's in his 70s. But I don't know, when people hit 70s, they start going over their finances with their kids and things, you know, when they go home. And he bought a fireproof safe. And when he bought it, I remember why, I couldn't believe why he bought it. He, he bought it after um, a hurricane came through, but he lives in Texas, in East Texas, you know. So I said, Dad, a hurricane's not coming. He said, well, you never know. You know so he buys this safe. He's got his papers. He pulls out this little book. In this book, there's over $60,000 of personal loans 
And he says to me, this is uh, for a lady. She's a widow, and I bought her a car, and uh, it was $8,000, and, you know, it's not, she pays $20 a month. This is so-and-so. This is a, a people, their kid was in the hospital, couldn't pay it, and the bill was uh, 14000 or 10000 or whatever. And so I gave them so much money, and they pay $30 a month. And of course, I, 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 numbers, you know, work with me immediately. $20 a month, because she's going to be dead before she pays this off. <laughs> it's not going to work, Dad. And so, and so I remember said to him, I said, do you have any collateral for any of these loans? I mean, if something does happen to you, you know, what am I supposed to do? I mean, you got any collateral? He said, their word. And then I'll never forget, I said to him, well, what happens if they can't pay you back? I'm telling you the truth. He starts crying and he says, then I got to bless them. Then I was able to be a blessing to them. God wants you. Wouldn't you like to be a blessing? Debbie and I, and Debbie and I, just a few months ago, gave away our 15th vehicle to a young family on the day they found out they were pregnant with their first baby. That's fun. I don't want to trade lives with people who have credit cards maxed out. I want to live below my means and give and be blessed and be a blessing. It works. I promise you, it works. I've lived this life. I'm not preaching on tithing because the church needs more money. Don't let the devil tell you this. I'm preaching on tithing because I'm a pastor and I've seen people's lives ruined because they don't understand they're under a curse. There is a curse. And there is a blessing. And there is a Father who wants to reward you. Because blessing is part of His plan for your life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.